0: A wonderful good morning to all of you and Happy New Year. It's not every year that we are studying a new year right on Sunday, uh, but it's a very special moment that we can be here today. And uh, you know, there are many things happening today. I will share the word of God with you for our theme this year and the theme this year, as you can see up there, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Okay, we will uh, we'll talk a little bit about this, but we have uh, uh, more time during the year to dissect this word. So God is building the perfect in an imperfect world. Also, I have got uh, a letter for you. I printed it today in case you don't have it. This uh, explains what every one of us should do at the threshold of a new year. Okay, there are two things. Okay, I've, I've, I've boiled it down to two things. Number one, we should give thanks to all the things that God has done for us in the past. Okay, and uh, I think we need to reflect not only what he has done, but all the lessons that he has taught us. And then maybe check out whether we have put the, the lessons into practice or we have just been hearers but not doers of the word. And if we see that there are things that God taught us which we have not put into practice which we have not implemented, uh, then maybe we have to revisit some of these uh, moments and, uh, you know, put things into practice. Okay, the one thing is to look back, okay? Now, we leave behind what what is behind, what is yesterday, but we are taking lessons out of the yesterday. We are taking, uh, you know, reasons enough to give God's praise and thanks And we want to belong to that company of one, you know, when God, when Jesus healed uh, 10 people with leprosy, nine disappeared. They were all healed, but nine disappeared. Nobody knows where they went. But one came back and he gave God thanks and praise. And let's belong to the company of one to be giving thanks to the Lord. Amen. It's a good, good practice actually not only at the beginning of a year but it should be at the beginning of every day or at the beginning of every month we should uh, take time to reflect okay so that's the one thing give signs the other thing is to look forward and exercise our for, our faith going forward you know the bible tells us that without faith we cannot please god okay so if you cannot please god without faith, you better have it okay <laughs> And uh, it's important that we not only live by faith and nod our heads and say, yeah, I believe this. This is not faith. The Bible tells us that even, that even uh, Satan uh, and the, the demons have got faith, such kind of faith. They know that what God said is true, but it's not the faith that God is looking for us. We need the faith of uh, Abraham, who heard the voice of God and began acting on the voice of God. Even so, he had not known God from his childhood. He had not, uh, you know, grown up uh, with that faith, but he heard the voice of God and he took action. He walked out. And I think that's what we need to do, you know. And that's what uh, the teaching of the first fruit relates to, you know, that we are taking action before we even see. Okay, everybody can say thank you when you have seen it, but when you have not seen it yet and God says, this is what I'm going to do, are you trusting Him? Do we believe Him? Okay, we have two examples. Uh, You know, of course, we have many other examples, but two examples which I mentioned in my letter. One is Adam, who thought he would have to take things into his own hands to satisfy his uh, longing. He mistrusted God, he didn't live by faith. He tried to, things, to, to to take things uh, out of the hand of God into his own hands, and of course we know where it ended. It ended with a fall, it ended with a misery, it ended with a cursed ground, it ended with diseases, and it ended with death eventually. But when you look at Abraham, who didn't have uh, all that Adam was given, you know, Adam was given a wonderful garden where... Everything was lush and green and full of fruit. Everything was good to eat from. There was, was, uh, you know, so much uh, variety and, and multiplicity of everything. He didn't need anything more than that. But because he mistrusted God, because he took things out of the hand of God, he ended up, as I said, you know, but... When Abraham started, he started with not much. We don't know exactly how he grew up. The Bible tells us that the people where he came from were idol worshippers. So they were people who you know, trusted in their self-made gods. But when Abraham met with the living God, you know, all the things that were there or not there, you know, in his in his home, they were. Of no importance anymore. And when God said, Follow me, he followed. Okay? He didn't know uh, whether this word that God gave him would come into fruition and would materialize. But he was a man of faith. So he, he took action because he believed. If he didn't believe, he would have not come. He would have said, I better stay where I am. At least I know what I have. But no, Abraham stepped out. And the result of Abraham's life is amazing. Of course, there were many ups and downs in his life, but at the end of the day, he became the father of all of us, all of the believers, all of the people of faith. He is the blessing to all of us. You know, the Bible talks about the blessings of Abraham, which have come to us today. One man, who started very differently from Adam, who had all the lush and wonderful blessings of God. Abraham didn't have all of these things, but he trusted God. He was God. He believed in the city whose builder and designer is God. Even so, the city was not there. It was not there when God spoke to him. It was not even there when he died. Because the city is us. Okay, so it it had to come into being. But thank God, you know, God, in this life, you know, in the natural, and he was becoming extremely rich, even so, he was shortchanged by his own nephew, Lot, who tried to get the better part. But God blessed Abraham. He didn't, he didn't uh, have the ability to, to, to bless Lot in the same way, because Lot was trying to take things in his own hands. But Abraham left it in the hands of God. And so God blessed him in great abundance. And that's what we need to do. You know, at the beginning of a new year, think about Abraham, how he believed God, okay? Even when he didn't see, the things that God told him, he didn't see them, but he believed God. And we need to learn to believe God, okay? There are certain things that God has asked us to do, which we can do because we believe. Okay, for instance, the first food offering, that means you're giving on the strings of what you know God is going to do in your life. Amen? So we'll talk about it a little bit later again. But uh, today I want to start taking you into the scripture that we have uh, asked for our theme this year. And uh, I want to read from the book of first, Second Corinthians 12, verse, verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 3. Paul is talking about some experiences which he doesn't really want to boast about. These were his own experiences, but he doesn't want to say it's me who has gone through that. So he talks about the man, but the man is him. Okay, so 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 3 says, and I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows was caught up to paradise. He heard inexpressible things, things that man is not permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I wouldn't be speaking the truth, but I refrain So no one will think more of me than conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations. There was given to me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Praise the Lord. Now, there's a great secret here that we need to learn about, that we need to understand. 1 Corinthians, Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. By the grace God has given me, not by my strength, not by my power, not by my uh, intellect, but by the grace God has given me, I lay the foundation as an expert builder and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful on how he builds. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one who just already laid which is Jesus Christ. Amen. So Paul says, I laid the foundation as an expert builder by the grace of God. Someone else is building on it. And the someone else is you and me, okay? We are to continue the building in our time, in our generation, in our uh, surrounding, in our families, in our communities. We are to continue building. And we cannot do it With our own ability, we can only do it with the grace of God, or in the grace of our God. Acts chapter 20, verse 32, the Bible reads, Now I commit you to God and to the word of His grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing, you yourselves know that these hands did supply my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, who said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Let us pray. Father our God, we are so grateful for Your presence, we have entered into this new season, into this new year, and Lord, you have been already here, because you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we thank you, Lord, that you are never changing, that we can trust you, even for this year, which is ahead of us. Lord, we take this year, each and every day, out of your hand, and we ask you, Lord, guide us. Help us, Lord, that your grace is overflowing in our lives and we'll be able to accomplish what you have brought us into this world for. Lord, we are not here by accident. We are here because you have a work for us to to do. And Lord, we pray, let us understand that work and let us carry it out by the power of God, by the power of grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, this scripture which I've been reading, you know, uh, has got some very powerful highlights, you know, and uh, when I read, you know, my grace is sufficient for you, my power is made perfect in weakness, I could see you were excited. Uh, Okay, when when Paul is saying, you know, and uh, God has given me a thorn in my flesh, uh, a messenger of Satan, there was no excitement there. And, and you know, sometimes it's hard for us to make sense out of such scriptures, and yet it's very important that we do understand. So Paul is a, is a wonderful example for all of us, and we need to learn from him. You know, Paul was a, was a man who was growing up in Judaism, very devout, very zealous, but he didn't know God, okay? He thought he knew him. He thought he was fighting for him, but actually he didn't know him. And there are a lot of people who are like this in our world today who are, you know, sellers for God, but they really don't have a relationship with him. And that was Saul before he became converted and transformed into Paul. And of course, what God did for Saul, he wants to do for each and every one of us. But when he finally came to know God, you know, he becomes a wonderful example for all of us of how God can use people who are available to him as the tools that God wants to use in this world, as people who are willing to obey and listen and follow. Now, we see that Paul had limitations. And you know, that's that's good to know. That even the great men, okay, sometimes you call this the great men, okay. Paul definitely is one of the great apostles. And, uh, you know, sometimes you think these great men, even today we have got uh, people who are being called the men of God, you know, and they are like standing, you know, so much higher than ourselves. And we feel like they are perfect. But let me be very, very clear, you know, there's no human being who is perfect. Not Paul. Okay? And he is very honest, he's very upfront with the challenges that he's facing in his life. Unfortunately, not all of uh, the people today are so, uh, you know, straightforward, uh, talking about their, sh- their shortcomings and their weaknesses, but Paul was uh, allowing us to know, you know, that he also had struggle in his life, okay? And, and you should know that somebody who is carrying the message of God does not, you, you should not think that he or she does not have struggles, okay? You may see me standing here today, you don't know that last night I was very sick. And I we need, to, we need to understand that it's all by the grace of God, okay? God, God is so amazing in everything he does. Despite our limitations, despite our shortcomings, despite our weaknesses. And imagine Paul says, when I'm weak, and he he admitted, yes, I'm weak. In certain areas, I've got weaknesses. But that's when God will come through in his strength for me. So when God's allows us to look into the life of, uh, of, of Paul and he talks about his weaknesses, his challenges, his limitations. Does that resonate with you? Uh, or are you one of these supermen and superwomen who never has problems? Okay. Anyone here? Can't see anyone. And if I would see some, someone, someone's hand, I would have to sit you down and counsel you because you shouldn't lie. Okay, because none of us is perfect. We all have, we all are familiar with the limitations of life. That's a fact. Okay. A larger portion of the New Testament is openly speaking about his challenges, about his difficulties, about the things that he's struggling with. For me, this is a great encouragement. Okay. Okay. So Paul is not look, uh, talking just about slow, God will do all things fine, you know. Uh, yes, sometimes we are, we are so good in slogans, you know. But uh, life is not slogans. Life is sometimes ups and sometimes downs. And we, we need to be clear on that. Now, like every one of us, when we are going through tough situations, hardships, difficulties, limitations, you know, we would seek the help of the Lord. And that's exactly what Paul did. Paul called upon the Lord. Okay? He didn't know what to make out of this challenge that he was facing. Okay? Uh, we, we don't know exactly what the problems were that uh, uh, Paul was facing. We know, for instance, that he had poor eyesight. Okay? We know that he was a short man. Okay? He know that he had some challenges which... Probably we don't know about it. Okay? And he says he was given, you know, a thorn in the flesh. And we don't know what that thorn of the flesh is. And and please, don't even try to find out. Because there is no revelation about that. You know, I I have heard some people uh, giving revelations what the thorn of the flesh is. But let me tell you, there is no revelation about that. God just tells us, you know, there are things that we experience in our own life. Okay, maybe you experience some thorns in your own flesh. Okay, things that, that trouble you. You know, would say, if, if only this thing would fall off, life would be so much easier. Yes, that may be true. But then God has a reason for everything. Okay, so Paul, you know, he was praying, he was seeking the Lord, that these limitations, these weaknesses that he was facing would be, would be removed. Because, of course, Paul was a servant of the Lord, not a servant of Satan. And yet, you know, we know Satan is uh, a servant of God. Okay? Please don't get shocked when I say that. But Satan is a servant of God. Okay? The Bible says us, tells us so because Satan is an angel. Okay? A fallen angel so. Uh, just like all of the, uh, the demons, they are fallen angels. The Bible tells us the angels are servants who are sent to serve those who inherit salvation. Okay? Are you with me? So in other words, every angel, the good ones as well as the bad ones, they have to serve me. Okay? Of course, we would love to have only the good ones and the bad ones, they should be locked into eternal, into the eternal condemnation. And they will one day. But for now, they are still around. I think you remember very well the conversation that, that uh, God had with uh, Satan uh, when all the sons of God came before, before his throne and uh, he was asking, of course, each and every one of them, where have you come from? And, and Satan was there and God was asking, where have, where have you come from? What are you doing? And he said, of course, I've come going roaming throughout the earth, back and forth. And, and God asked him, have you seen my servant Job? Okay, so in other words, God wanted to bless his servant Job. But by asking, by asking Satan, did you see my servant Job, you know? That's like dark clouds coming over the life of, <laughs> of, 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 uh, of, of Job. Okay? And if you read that story, you know, you may... Uh, end up with more questions than answers at the end of the day because there are certain things that we will not understand that God does not allow us to see at least not completely. There are certain things that are becoming clear when we read scripture when we, when we get the revelations that he has given to us in his Word. but there are certain things that, that remain in the, in the dark okay? and so it's important that we, that we understand that So the answer that God gives to to, uh, uh, Paul is an answer that he doesn't expect. And maybe I would say, in my own opinion, doesn't even appreciate. Because God says, no, no, just leave it, okay? Because Paul says, remove my problem, remove my, my shortcomings, my limitations, my weakness. And God says, let it stay there. And you wonder, why? Okay. Isn't it true that, you know, there are certain things to speak a short prayer and they're living in our life? And how easy would it be to, to speak a short prayer and they would just evaporate? But it doesn't usually happen like that, does it? We are carrying loads. We are carrying burdens we are carrying certain things with us and we don't know why god is not coming through we know some amongst us are carrying a heavy burden in their lives maybe disease or maybe uh, shortcomings weaknesses or whatever this may be and we don't know why is god not answering our prayers okay before you come to a conclusion, let's, let's continue studying what God says. Okay, God answers. And when God answers, okay, it's not like uh, Father Christmas who always gives us what we want. Sometimes he gives us things that we didn't ask for. Sometimes he gives us things that we don't want. Okay? Jesus was one time praying to his father, and you know, if anybody was, 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 was successful in prayer, somebody who was uh, in a very close relationship with the father in heaven, then it was Jesus, of course. And Jesus said, Father, if it's possible that this cup can pass me by, that was the cup of suffering, the cup of uh, the full of s- the sin of the world which he was about to, to carry to the cross. He said, If it's possible that this can pass me by, then let it happen, but but not my will, but your will be done. And which will was done? Not the will of Jesus in his, in his suffering, but the will of the Father. And he had to carry that burden. Okay? And of course, if he didn't carry that burden, there would not have been salvation for any one of us. So praise God. Praise God. The father did not answer that prayer in the affirmative, okay, and remove that cup from Jesus as he would have loved it as a human being in the flesh who had weaknesses just like we have them, okay, who like no one else. So there are times when, okay, we think, okay, when I pray, but not the way we think, but in another way. Okay, we think, okay, when I pray, then this thing will just be, whoosh, disappear. But sometimes you pray and God says, no, let this thing stay. It still has a work to do. There's a job that is important for each and every one of us. So God tells Paul that he needs these weaknesses. Okay, God tells Paul that he, God, needs those weaknesses in the life of Paul. Hey. Are you hearing me? So if you are going through hardships and weaknesses, you know, God is telling you he needs these weaknesses in your life because he wants to manifest through those weaknesses. Okay? These are the weaknesses and the limitations that we have in which God will work out his plans. So the limitations that we human beings have, whether Paul or any one of us, are God's opportunities to work out perfection in our life. And it's important that we understand that, okay? You see, we don't have the building plan that God has. Okay, when you see a building coming up, you wonder, oh, what is this? You know, maybe you have got already a picture in your mind. Okay, I think this is how it looks like. And then a few weeks later, you come back, and the building is, has developed in a very different way. than yourself. you say, oh, what is this? And that's the same with us. You know, we have a certain idea what God should do, but then God does things in his own unique, divine, eternal ways. And we we need to learn to trust him and to understand. So our unwanted challenges, our unwanted weaknesses, our unwanted limitations are wanted by God because that's where his grace can flow through, okay? Paul comes to the conclusion, I needed to have that kind of situation because I I could have lifted myself up, okay? Because of all these powerful revelations that Paul had, you know, God gave to him in particular. And so God kept him in a certain position, understanding that it is not by his own power, but it's by the grace of God that the things that he experienced have happened. So let me make it very clear that no weakness or imperfection in our life will ever stop God's plan. And that is good news, okay? Because many of us said, oh, if, if, if I would be like others, then maybe uh, I wouldn't go through the hardships and difficulties I do. But forget about that, because we all are part of this, you know, fallen mankind. And we all have our challenges, our shortcomings, our weaknesses. And God is using those weaknesses, those imperfections, in order to work out his wonderful and perfect plan. You know, naturally, we human beings, we want to be on top of things. We want to control what is happening. That is normal. That is not natural. And as such, we often hinder God to get his divine work done inside of us. Because we take control. We we are trying to tell God, no, this you can't do. Do this. But then God is God. We are not the God of our lives. We are just humans. And he is the God of our lives. So God uses sometimes very unconventional means to get things done. Okay? Like Paul is talking about the thorn in the flesh. Okay, we don't know what it is. And we shouldn't even try to know okay, uh, the messenger of Satan, okay, okay, you have heard, and you know, uh, reading scripture, you know that Satan sometimes is given, given certain, you know, allowances, certain, I wouldn't want to call them responsibilities, to do certain things in our lives, and when they happen, okay, we, we, we may not like it. But please don't bash the devil, because the devil is just a servant of God. So don't, don't be worried about it. God who is working certain things out that we do not understand at that particular time. Amen? Amen? Just like in Job's life. Job had no clue, and the friends of Job had no clue what was going on. They thought they had all the cleverness, and they, they had their arguments, but they didn't understand what God was doing. God was doing his own thing. So God sometimes will not answer our prayer, remove this problem I have. Sometimes he does, and thank God for that. I'm sure many of us, we have testimonies how God has has delivered us from certain situations. And uh, we know God is capable of doing that. But sometimes he doesn't, okay? And he says, okay, walk with me with this very burden that you have through the dark valley and trust me, keep your eyes upon me because I'm going to carry you through. And I think it's important that we understand that. Okay? Only God knows what's best for us to reach perfection. Because at the end of the day, God wants us to become perfect. Okay? Scripture tells us, be perfect as I am perfect. Now, we know we cannot make ourselves perfect. We cannot attain perfection as God is perfect. But then, like my subtitle says on, on, on on our theme this year, God is building the perfect, okay? The perfect body of Christ. The perfect human beings that he wants us to be in an imperfect world. So God doesn't need a perfect world in order to make things perfect. He can work with anything that is there. And he can work with the weaknesses, with the limitations, with the shortcomings that we have. He's a good God, okay? And he knows how to overcome every obstacle because he can see beyond where we cannot see. So understand that his plan for our lives, his plan for his uh, ecclesia, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, stands firm. Even from before the action, putting his plan into fruition and finishing his plan according to what he has laid down long ago. And even if it means we have to go through hardships and we have to go through some troubles, you know, so be it. Paul said we have this treasure of God in chars of clay and the chars of clay are sometimes giving us troubles and we have all experienced that. So God is building the perfect, okay? The perfect you, the perfect body of Christ because we are members of his body, okay? Because if we are not perfect, then we are not acceptable in the presence of God because God is perfect. We can't be with him. You know, sometimes I wonder how some people want to go to heaven, you know, when they are living like devils, you know? If they would go to heaven, they would fall dead instantly because, you know, they're not, they're not, they're not uh, anywhere near God. They're not anyhow any close to the nature of God. So in other words, if we are to be with God, and heaven is where God is, heaven is not just a location somewhere where, you know, you can find a, a, a nice space of bliss. No, heaven is where God is. And if we want to be where God is, then we better be as God is. Okay? That means we have to be holy and righteous. We have to be like him. We have to be perfected. And that's exactly what God says. You know, God says, as we can read, power is made perfect in weakness. So in other words, Paul, you have shortcomings, but I will perfect you. And I will actually use the very weakness, the very thing that you think is a handicap for your life. I'm going to use the very same thing in order to bring you to perfection. Only God can do that. No human being can understand this even. Okay? But God does that. Now, today we are immersed in our culture uh, and I'm not just talking about the culture we have been growing up with, but, you know, the culture that we are receiving through the social media every single day. You know, we are getting a kind of thinking, you know, kind of liberal thinking uh, that is influencing the lives of everybody, including Christians. And it's amazing that even Christians today, they are agreeing about things that are, you know, our, our great-grandfathers in the Lord would just uh, would just get horrified about, okay, because we have been so influenced by the culture of the world. And let me tell you, the Bible says that he who wants to be a friend with the world will be an enemy with God. So in other words, he has to confront us on these issues. He cannot just allow and say, okay, just, just carry on and enjoy your life. Uh, when the life is completely messed up and uh, going into a wrong direction. He has to put us straight. Okay? And that's very important. Let me just read from the book of James, chapter 4 and verse 1. James is asking, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Hmm. What a question, huh? Are there fights and quarrels among you? Or is everything bliss in your home all the time? So James is asking that question. And he says, don't they come from your desire? Your desires that battle within you. So in every one of us there are desires. Okay? Desires of the flesh. And the desires of the flesh are not in line with the desires of God. Okay? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet. And that's a hard language, huh? You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. And isn't that true? Don't we see so much of this, you know? One would say, if this is happening in the world, yeah, of course, it's the world, but it happens even in churches. You do not have because you do not ask God. Number one mistake, we are trying to grab here and there, we're trying to get whatever we think we need to have, but we are not doing it in the power of God, we are not asking it through the grace of God, we are, asking, we are doing it through our own strength, through our own ability. And that will not lead to any good results, okay? You don't have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. And I think we see a lot of that stuff today. Okay, all the the, the modern, uh, you know, contemporary uh, prophets of whatever, You know, they're giving us so many, many good uh, provinces. And people are now coming, asking for those things. But at the end of the day, they don't get. Because they ask with wrong motives. Okay? And what does the Bible say? You do not receive. When you ask, you do not receive. Because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. Do you know that God has called us into this world and we are meant to be stewards? We are not here to consume God's riches. We are here to be stewards. We have to take care of what God is entrusting into our lives so that we bless others in the process. But so many people have a wrong concept today because they are being lied to by such prophets who are not prophets of God but prophets of themselves. And of their evil intentions, maybe even prophets of Satan. And they're they're giving promises that are never going to come to pass. And God says so. Okay? You will not get because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. You adulterous people. You can okay, I can be a friend it's love of the world, but, you know, God is still my friend also. No, actually, it's love and hatred on the other side. If you love God, you can't love the world. And if you love the world, you can't love God. You know, that is hatred to God. Just think about that. Sometimes we want to put certain things together. I remember that very well. You know, when I came to hear about uh, Christ in in my young life, you know, I was not a Christian. I grew up without, without God. Yes, I had religion. We went to church uh, just for the sake of uh, fulfilling certain, uh, certain requirements. You know, but then I, I, was, I was having no idea about Christ when I was young. So when I was 16 years old, I got invited. And uh, for the very first time, I, I realized... God was speaking to me. Jesus was speaking to me very powerfully. And I agreed, you know, I agreed, yes, I want to follow you. I was 16 years old. I, I, I didn't really come through a, a, an experience of a new birth at that particular time. But I was I was beginning to to read more about it, becoming trying to becoming serious about it. But then for one year, about one year, I was trying to to continue living my life, you know, with all the plans and ideas that I had made for me as a young person. And you know, when we are teenagers, we have got uh, grand ideas about our lives. And I had, had some grand ideas about what I wanted to do, what I wanted to accomplish, what I wanted to achieve. Okay. And uh, so I was, I was hearing the call of God, but then I had also my own words and I was not ready to give it up. And for about a year, a little less than a year, I tried to combine the two worlds, okay? My own worlds, with my own desires, with my own hopes and dreams, and of course now I was even telling God, this is what I want, and I asked him to do for me what I wanted, and then I had the demand of God who called me. And uh, soon I understood he's he not even come his work and follow him as a disciple. But, okay? You know, one of the things I've learned in that one year is that it's very difficult for you to sit on two chairs at the same time. Very uncomfortable. Have you tried? Try to sit on two chairs. It's a punishment. Sooner or later, you are going to feel very, very painful, you know? And so at the end of this year, I made up my mind. He says, no, I cannot, I cannot combine the world and God at the same time. I was young. I didn't understand a lot of these things that I'm talking to you about now. But one thing I understood, that friendship with the world is hatred towards God. And so I, I just said, okay, I surrender everything. God, if you want everything and I, I get nothing of the things that I planned for my life, fine. That's, that's okay with me. And I... I was was submitting to the Word of God, okay? Amazingly, some of the things that were dreams in my young life were actually fulfilled by the grace of God, okay? Not by my own ability, but by the grace of God later on. Little did I know that God was the one who originated everything about me, who made the plans, who made my heart, who made my my mind, who, who made me think in certain ways, but of course, I could not do it in the wrong way, with wrong motives. I had to learn to trust in God. I had to learn to believe in God. Like I earlier said, you know, uh, Abraham heard the call of God and he believed. And that's why he became a hero of faith. That's why he became the father of all of us who believe. Because he, he took action, okay? He walked out when God called him. He didn't know where he was going. He was going into the unknown. The only thing that he had was God's word. But I tell you, when you have the word of God, it's enough. You don't need any more. But when we live in the old style of the world, you know, we we want to have other assurances. That's why insurance companies make so much good money. Because we want to have assurances. Okay? And we believe in insurance company more than we believe in God. And I'm not saying you must throw away your insurances. No, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that God's word is more powerful than power in this world can guarantee. So we need to be clear that God has his own plan for our lives that often we don't understand. Look at Abraham, I talked to you about Abraham. Do you know that Abraham had to wait for 99 years for him finally to have the offspring that God had promised him many years ago, okay? The Isaac of his life was not born until he was an old man. Don't you think if it was was Abraham You know, in Abraham's jurisdiction to bring Isaac, then he would have been born when he was maybe 30 or 40, or I don't know what, you understand. Not not when he was 99. Would Abraham have waited for 99 years? I don't think so. But he didn't have the power to bring Isaac. It was God who had to bring and in the same way, God may have given you a promise, God may have spoken about certain things in your life, and, and don't try to fulfill them in your own way. Wait, wait upon God. Amen? So the Bible says here in James chapter 4, verse 4, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. So, it's a very important message for us. Anybody who wants to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that the spirit he causes to live in us envies intensively? Okay? So God wants to God into the kingdom of God. Okay? So he makes sure that nothing else will be will be distorted there. But then the Bible says, but God gives us more grace. And you know, this is really what we need. We need more grace. But God gives us more grace. Because you see, the grace of God is really the power of God, is really the nature of God, is really uh, the flow of God's very, uh, very substance. And it's important that we understand that. So the grace of God is God in our life. Amen? And God gives us more of himself, pouring ourselves into our earthen vessels. God gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So, in other words, when we humble ourselves before God, he will give us more of himself. More of himself will find space inside of our, of our innermost being because some of the things that are hindering him to come in are being removed. And let us understand this. God wants us to be with him, Okay? When Jesus was praying his high priestly prayer in John chapter 17, he said, I want those who are with me to be with me where I'm going to be, where all my glory is going to be manifested. But for that to happen, transformation had to change, take, take place in their lives. And transformation has to take place in our lives as well. So therefore, we must, must submit ourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, your sinners, and purify your hearts, your double-minded. That's what God wants, okay? God wants us to be ever more ready for the work that he's doing inside of us. In fact, I would say totally obedient. You know, That is something... That is, that is quite a, a very strong word, totally obedient. That means 100% obedient. And we know that, for instance, Adam and Eve opted out of being totally obedient to God. They said, let's take things into our own hands. And they did. And we know the devastating results, which were the consequences of their mistrusting God, not believing in his grace. So it's not our performance that God is interested in. You know, how much we can be able to boast about what we can do. But actually, it's our humility, laying our lives down, just like Christ himself has laid his life down. The Bible tells us that Christ has humbled himself even to the cross. Okay, second uh, chapter in Philippians. Very powerful, okay? And because he has humbled himself, God lifted him up. Name above all names. You know? That every knee shall bow, that every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. But it started with humility. Okay? It started Jesus being willing to lay down his life. So the God who is perfect wants us to be perfect as well. Okay? And he will work out the perfect inside of you and me if we don't hinder him. You know, sometimes our strength, our own ability hinders God from trying to accomplish what he has planned to do. And that's why sometimes he allows us to be weak so that we are not interfering with his work. That we are not interfering with his syllabus for our lives. Because his syllabus is good. And it will bring us to perfection through his grace and his power. And very interestingly, you know, in the, in the New Testament, whenever God speaks about power, actually he speaks about the Holy Spirit. So you can actually see here, you know, my grace is sufficient for you because my, for my power or my Holy Spirit is made perfect in weakness. Okay, my Holy Spirit in you will come to perfection in your weakness. Because God can manifest in our weakness, in our shortcomings. So today we have many men of God who are trying to mesmerize their followers with their performances. And uh, when people follow them, Unfortunately, the will of God is not being advanced. Actually, it's a hindrance for God to do his work. The Bible is very categorically clear that flesh and blood will not build the kingdom of God. Okay? Will not build the house of God. Will not build your life. It needs the grace. It needs the truth of God, the word of God. It needs the Holy Spirit. And so God is working with those who are willing, who are willing, even if it means to go through the dark valleys of our lives. Okay? Don't lose your faith, don't lose your trust in God because God is still there, even if you don't see nothing. You see, this is what what, uh, King David was saying. Even so, I walk through the valley of death, the shadow of death. The value of the shadow of this. Your your staff and your rod comfort me. So he couldn't see anything, but he could feel God's presence. Okay, the staff and the rods, they were tools of guidance and times to hook them and pull them back. Because when you deal with a flock of sheep, you need sometimes to hook them and pull them back from the danger. And, you know, David says, I I know. Even if I've walked through the valley of the shadow of death, I knew you are with me. Because you have taken care of me. So God waits to work with every, everybody who is willing to let him work. You know, God does not need our wisdom. Okay, are you hearing me? God does not need your wisdom or my wisdom He needs our cooperation. That's all. He needs our faith and our obedience. Our arguments lead nowhere. I mean, in the whole Bible, nowhere have you seen more arguments than in the book of Job, isn't it? The book of Job is full of arguments. But at the end of the day, they concluded nothing. They didn't get anywhere. The matter got concluded when God spoke. Amen? And that's what we need. We need the word of God in our life. We need the God speaking in our life. We need a grace that is sufficient for us to be transformed, to become holy and righteous, to become perfect beings, just like God is perfect. Because we can't be in the presence of God unless we are like him. So God is not saying that we should understand, okay, we should believe him, we should trust him. Understanding will come later. Now, of course, we should understand as much as we can understand from the word of God, that's why it's given to us, but there are certain things that God is doing that we cannot understand, we just have to follow by faith. And all of the heroes of faith that you can read about in the book of uh, Hebrews chapter 11, you find that these were people who obeyed, people who followed, people who, you know, uh, put their own interests aside and allowed God to do their work in them. So remember, God does not need your understanding or your wisdom, God needs your cooperation, your faith, your trust, your obedience. So weakness can easily be filled by God in a day. Okay, with his power. Okay, weakness can be removed in a day because God is almighty. But our selfishness gets into God's way. And that's why, you know, we must not be selfish. We must allow God to do his work inside of us. So, God can turn your weaknesses in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye Provided that his purpose is being achieved, and God will not do anything unless His purpose is being achieved. You see, the friends of Daniel, they were told not to worship God, and uh, they were threatened that if you are not following, then we are throwing you into the fire, and you're going to die. And uh, they said. We, we will serve God. Whether he will save us or he will not save us, that's not the issue. But we will continue serving him. Okay? And, and I think this is the attitude that we should learn to have. Okay? Whether God comes through for us or not, we will still serve the Lord. Okay? So the king got very annoyed and they threw, him, they threw these three boys into the fire. They were not even adults. They were still young, young men. They threw them in the fire. And the people who threw them in the fire died because it was so hot. You know, the king made the, the fire so hot that no one could survive. And so some casualties were the result by, by the very executors. You know, the very people who threw the, the three boys into the fire. They, they got killed by the heat of the fire. And these three young boys, they are in the fire, they're in the fire oven, you know, uh, and they walk around in the fire, okay? Is fire pleasant? I don't think so, okay? Fire is good when you have the right distance to it, when it gives you the warmth that is comfortable, okay? Fire is good when you are cooking your food on it. But if you are in the fire, mm, not good, okay? But what did the king see? He saw these three looking like the son of God. All of a sudden, they were not three, but they were four. And the fourth one was looking like the son of God. Hallelujah. And let me tell you, sometimes in the fire of God, you will see God manifesting himself in your life. You see Christ coming through for you in ways that you can never understand. And so these people were watching like a movie, you know, something that you know, can be done today with tricks and uh, all kinds of, 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 of uh, technology. But this was not technology. This was real. These three young men were in the fire. The fire that killed people who threw them in, but could not even burn a hair on their heads. And so finally, he ordered them to come out. And the three young men came out. The fourth one didn't come out. Okay. But the three young men came out. And they could not even smell even one hair to be burned. You know what, how, how fire smells when it burns up things or it begins to, uh, to do, do certain things. But they were okay. And you know, this is exactly what God is doing. Sometimes God allows you to go through the fire because he wants to manifest in your life. Okay? And you need to keep focused on God, not on the circumstances. Don't worry about the threats of these worlds. No, if you do this, then I'm going to do that and that and that with you. No, forget about it. The world has no jurisdiction over the children of God. So God will come through for us. May it be sooner, or maybe later. We don't know. Because it's God's jurisdiction. But he will come through for us. Praise God. Now you may say, Ah, it has taken too long. I've been praying. I've been praying. I've been praying. It has taken too long. Have you been praying for 99 years? Have you been waiting for the, for the promise of God for 99 years to come? Then you have not been waiting for long. Okay, if, You know, trust in God. 99 days, I don't know. But whatever it takes, you know, trust in God. God will come through. And not only will he come through when you finally come out of the fire, actually he will come to you in the fire. He will accomplish his work inside of the very great challenges of your life. Even in the weakness, even in the limitations, even in the the problems that you are facing in this world. He will be there with you. So whether people get their work done or not, whether whether people threaten you or not, that is secondary. As long as God will be able to bring you into perfection. And you know, the Bible says, my grace is sufficient. So God is building the perfect in an imperfect world. He doesn't need a perfect world to make something perfect. No, everything that God is doing will come into perfection. And that's why we must trust him. That's why we must look up to him. That's why we must keep our hope and our faith in him. Okay? From his grace, from the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. Isn't that powerful? We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. You know, if you read the book of Colossians, I don't have time to read it. It's on your bulletin. And the Bible says that in him, all things are combined. You know, the whole nature of God is in Christ. So in other words, everything that you require, you find in Christ. And if he comes through for you, amazing things are going to happen. So we need to learn to live by faith. Whether the circumstances are good or not so good, whether there are weaknesses we are still struggling with or not, it doesn't matter. We need to live by faith and not by keep. Even if it doesn't make any sense, keep trusting the Lord. Even if God comes to you and says, build an ark like he told Noah. And Noah could have said, but God, we don't have water here. What should I build a ship for? Okay. It didn't really make sense. And the people around him, they were laughing at him. He said, This guy is crazy, you know. No wonder he's been telling us so many things about God. Now he has gone crazy. But he hadn't gone crazy. He was just obedient. He was just preparing for the things that were yet to come. Because he heard the voice of God, he understood the plan of God. He, he may not have been able to listen with the water, in a in a long distance away. But he did what he did. And when the rain came, when the wells of the of the deep were opening, when the windows of heaven were were opening, and the rain came down, you know, that ship was able to be carried by the water. That thing didn't make any sense to the people of Noah's time, but he believed. And faith will always carry the day. So remember. Like we have read in this powerful word, God says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Remember, God wants to make each and every one of us perfect. And you're saying, I'm not perfect. I'm failing here. I'm failing there. I feel weak. I'm, I'm just a human being. Well, you know, that's how God works. God uses those weaknesses in order to bring you to perfection. Because where we are weak, <laughs> that's where we are not getting in the way of God. Okay? Where we are strong, very e- easily we say, God, get out here. I, this, I have got control of this myself. Isn't it? Sometimes we are not even aware of it, but that's what happens. But where we are weak, and when God comes through, he says, okay, let it happen. You know, just carry on. Do what you want. I thank God, you know, thank God. God will make his grace abound in everyone who trusts him, in everyone who has faith. Whether you understand it or don't understand it is not the issue. Whether you have arguments or you don't have arguments, it's not the issue. It's whether you believe, whether you trust God, whether you allow him to do his work even when other people say it doesn't make sense. So it's by the grace of God. It's by the power of God. It's not by our power or by our ability or by our (coughs) wisdom or intellect. It's by the power of God. And you see, this is what we, we want to learn throughout this year, you know, how dependent we are on the grace of God. Jesus came full of grace and full of truth. Grace is the substance of God. And even when Jesus was walking on earth as a human being, he was still carrying the grace of God. Most people didn't see it. But those who came close to him, those who trusted him, they were experiencing in a powerful way. And that's what we should. You know, we should come close to him. We must learn to trust him. We must learn to believe that he is beyond our own ability to reason. Beyond our ability or our cleverness. Because God is God. And God has a powerful and wonderful plan for our lives that he will bring to its conclusion in every one of us. So let's trust God, okay? We are here because God still works on us. You know, the last few days, it was like every day there was another funeral somewhere, another, another big person somewhere has died. I don't know, I haven't I've stopped counting. And thank God we are here. Thank God we are in 2023. Isn't it, isn't it powerful? You know, I heard of, uh, of a group of five people who died in a road accident just days. Uh, they, they, they were supposed to go to a, to a crossover, whatever crossover it is, I don't know. Did you go to a crossover, by the way? Actually, I crossed over. All by myself, together with my wife, we crossed over. <laughs> and we crossed over very safely. We didn't need anybody to carry us over of people that uh, tell you, you must come to a crossover. So five people died on their way to a crossover just before they could cross over. How's isn't that? Isn't that a tragedy? You see, when we are too strong, sometimes we are derailing altogether. So we need to learn to humble ourselves, to give God the power to let his grace be sufficient in our lives. And the grace of God, that is the the substance of God, will always be sufficient. So let us trust him. Let us pray. Lord our God, we are so grateful that you give us a better insight, a better understanding about what it means when you said my grace is sufficient for you. Lord Jesus, we want to depend on your grace. We don't want to depend on our own wisdom, on our own strength, but we want to depend totally and entirely on your grace. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for this wonderful time that you have given us today on this very first day of this year. And Lord, we want to take not only this first day of the year, but every day of this year out of your mighty hand. And we want to tell you, Lord, have your own way. Lord, use our weakness and fill it with your grace. Work out our perfection through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Through the grace of God that you pour out in a great and wonderful way upon each and every one of us. So, Lord, we thank you so much. That is, having the power to carry us through the whole year and even beyond. We give you honor. We give you praise. Lord, you are perfect. And we want to be perfect, just like you are perfect. And thank you, Lord, that you promise that you will do it in our lives. Through your grace. And that's why we thank you. That's why we honor you. That's why we worship you. To you be the glory, to you be the honor. And everyone say, "Amen. Amen. 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 Well, praised a lot. Actually, I feel that was too short.